you have your Bible this morning, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. And we venture into chapter 4 today as well, but we've been looking at Colossians, seeing how if we are with Christ, if we are in Him, then this is what it means. This is how it plays out in life. Not that we're following a bunch of rules, but it's just Jesus living in and through us. So what does that look like? And we specifically have been looking at things that occur in households. Uh, We know about moms and dads and that there are husbands and wives, and we know that there are children involved, and so there's parenting issues and these things. But back in that day, there was also other people that were around the house within the household uh, that were known as slaves, servants, bond servants. And so Paul is writing into that situation right here. He is not making a claim against it. Uh, He does that later in a book called Philemon, where he asks for the release of a slave. But right here, he's just saying, here's the situation. I'm going to tell you what it means to be a slave, how you should be a slave if you're with Christ and how you are also to be a master if you are a master in Christ. So that's what we'll be dealing with today uh, in in this passage. So if you have your Bible open, uh, we will go to. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 22, it says this. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So first, Paul speaks to the slaves. Christ wants them, those who are in that service state, to know how they are to represent Christ, how they are to live for Christ. Now, slaves in that day, we immediately kind of take on what our country and uh, what we had for slavery. Um, and we think that is over. There's actually slavery still going on in the sex trafficking and, and, and human trade that's going on around the world. So I don't want to say that it's over. There is a lot of slavery still going on. But I do want to speak more specifically to the, what was going on back in Paul's day. There was slavery under Roman law where the people were seen naturally as people, but economically they would also be property. And so there was kind of a dual thing there. A lot of it happened because they owed a debt. And so a lot of times they'd be in slavery paying off that debt. And their slavery was a little bit different than what we knew uh, because their slavery, they could actually earn their freedom back. They could earn it. It was hard, but you could actually make enough money to become um, free again. But it was really hard. It was really, really, really difficult. In fact, the rules actually stated that a master could execute their slave. It was it was that brutal as well. So it was not a good situation. It would have been easy for the slaves to just be like, you know what? This is not good. I'm free in Christ. Why am I not sleeve in uh, uh, free in society? I'm just going to not do it. I'm just not. You know, I have a right to just have my own way. And yet the Lord says here, look, if you're in this position, I'm not here to say that your position is going to change. What I'm going to say is while you're in that circumstance, here's how it should be. And so the things he listed off were things like obeying everything. Wow. Obeying everything. Those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. So it's talking about not just when they're watching. And if you have those situations in your life when when people are watching, your game is on. But once people aren't watching, it's uh uh-uh. I think we all probably have those certain situations. You know, I remember having um, a, 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 a kid who was playing basketball and when people were watching, he knew people were watching, he'd play as hard as he could. But as soon as people weren't watching, he was like, 
whatever. No, it's got to be all the time. If, 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 if you are a, a worker there, it's all the time. He says, not just when people are watching. Your character should be all the time. In fact, I heard one of the best definitions of character is the things about you that are done in secret, not when people are watching. That's what shows your true character. It's when people aren't watching. And so he speaks to them and says, even when your master's not watching, you should be working your tail off. You should be honorable. You shouldn't be just doing it to please people. You should understand, as he goes on to say, that you should be doing it with sincerity of heart because you fear the Lord. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. So when they were in that situation, they're actually to say. I've got this earthly master. But I have this master up above and I'm going to work as if I'm working for him. I'm going to work my guts out. I'm going to work honestly. I'm going to be sincere. I'm going to go about my business doing what I just got to do. And that's what the slaves were told to do. And it says because of the Lord, he's going to give you this inheritance. And it wasn't that they were waiting for their 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 big uh, cabin in heaven. The inheritance is always that you would be in the presence of the Lord. Jesus is our inheritance. That's the great thing. When the role is called up yonder, as the choir sang, the great part of that isn't that you earned a seat into the big entertainment theater for eternity, but that you're in his presence. That's why it's so great to be called up yonder. You're called up to him. So he says, work as a slave, knowing that your reward is Jesus. It's Jesus. Now, it's easy for us in these moments to say, well, I'm not a slave. And maybe to say I'm not a master. But maybe let's put it into some roles that we do recognize. So we don't have maybe slaves and masters, but maybe those have kind of converted into things that we talk about nowadays, like employees and bosses. Most of y'all fall into one of those two categories or you've retired from that so you know kind of what that realm is. And if you are an employee in a situation where you have a master over you, these things should also apply to you. If we're an employee, it means that even when our boss isn't looking, we're working as hard as if they were watching. That we are working for the Lord in that situation. That we are honorable and honest and we have the same character in secret or in somebody else's presence. As an employee, we have a great opportunity just to show Jesus to other employees and even to the master. I remember uh, we were studying through this book of Colossians in a Bible study back in Seattle, and there was a, um, a man about 60 years old in the Bible study, and we read through this passage, and he was just, he was just so convicted in it. Because it worked, he worked at Boeing. He was this amazing brainiac engineer who knew math and he'd try to explain how appliances worked to me and stuff. And I, he was just frustrated with me. But he was just a brilliant man. He'd go away to Boeing, this brilliant man. He worked in a very top secret defense contract area. And so he'd go away to work. And while he was at work, this great Christian man who loved everybody, he had an absolute evil boss. Just a, a wicked wicked boss and this woman had got to this position because she was a woman and she was asian and i'm not saying that because i'm sexist or racist but because boeing and being fearful of ever firing her in a bad position because she had been so awful to people they knew they would get lawsuits and so instead of firing her they would promote her and so this woman had gone up the ranks in boeing and here turned around to all the workers and was a wicked master 
And this man, the whole time, while he had this wicked master, just thought, well, I could just butt heads with her and be a stinker and I'll do my job. But, you know, but he was so convicted in this moment just to be, you know what? This is a circumstance that I don't like. I haven't asked for a a, a wicked master. And you know what? I just need to go and be Christ-like. I need to go into that situation and be like Christ. I need to love her. I need to pray for her. I need to work my guts out. I need to be honest and honorable. And the Lord will have justice. And he just took it. And all this pressure and stress that had been upon him about a, 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 a wicked master just, just released off him. And he just gave it up to the Lord's hands. And it wasn't long later because of some of the stuff that she had done that they actually finally ex escorted her out with all of her boxes and just left it in the parking lot and she was done. And it was just such freedom for him before she even was canned that he just said, you know what? I'm in this position and I'm just going to do what the Lord told me in the scripture and do it because this is for the Lord. I'm working for the Lord. I'm working for the Lord. And so I'll never forget his 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 heart change and, and just how that spoke to me about that. So we got employees they could be seen as slaves, but there's there's other situations, too, in life where 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 that might come into play. You think of some other things. So maybe you're not uh, working yet. Maybe maybe you're a student. Any of you had wicked teachers? <laughs> OK, maybe we want to admit to it here, but there's probably been a situation where you've been in a class and it's like, you know, this is really hard. I don't understand why the teacher's being so so rough on us or so stern on us. And so we sit in situations and it may not be that they're wicked. It may not it may be a very hard situation. So even as students, we can sit there. What is the best way to be a student? Well, here God is speaking in to the opportunity to say, you know what? Even when your teacher is not watching. You're to be a good student. You're to be as honorable as you would be on the presidential role when the principal is watching. And that's how we should be. I remember I was in a class grammar class. Literature class with this uh, this teacher she was she could be difficult. And as a result, the, the students called her Combat Clemens. Clemens was her last name. Combat Clemens. And man, I mean, when she was watching, kids were pretty good. But man, as soon as she would turn her back. I mean, there was stuff that went on. Next. I remember I don't know why this sticks out, but one time she turned her back or went out of the room. And one of the kids went over to the back, took a jar of peanut butter. that was her summer and unscrewed the cap, lifted up a desk and just stuck the leg of the desk in the peanut butter and just, I mean, I mean, when the master's back is turned, you better get her back, right? No, it was just awful the, what, what students did when her back was turned. But you know what was interesting is as, as you went forward with combat Clemens, what we begin to realize is if you were honorable to her and helpful, she actually wanted you to learn things. She also taught a keyboarding class. It was the most important class I took in all high school because it taught me how to type. And that's been so useful since. And and it's been interesting to see her on Facebook and be friends with so many students. She wasn't there to be a difficult master. She was there to pour into the life of students. It was just too bad that when her back was turned, the, the students were reckless and awful to her. And so we as students have an opportunity in class. It's for our benefit that we're in school. And you can be good to your teachers even when they're not watching. You can help help to encourage other kids to, to, to be listening and doing their work and just not 
not messing around in class. So that's another situation in our current society where it may not be slaves, but it is a situation where we're under an authority like that. Another one is this. How many of you have ever worked in a restaurant or done customer service? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're if you're working with customers, it might seem even though that you're dealing with the money and you're in charge of what makes it out to the salad bar or whatever it is that you're the one in charge. But in that role, what is happening is somebody is paying for the opportunity for you to be their servant during that course of time. And so you are the servant. You are in that mode of having to serve. And it's it's hard sometimes when the customer, the master is being difficult to be someone who is serving in the customer service realm with a smile. Because you just want to make yourself an equal. And the Lord says, you know what? Go about your job and do it. It's not for you when they have have been so mean when they ordered your hamburger to take that hamburger before it comes out and spit in it and let it go back. Right. Anybody ever done that? Okay. I've never done it either. I'm just saying I've heard stories. But that's not that opportunity with the thing is to say. I'm going to pretend as if the Lord Jesus is there to serve. I'm going to serve him. And so even in, in those situations, it's an opportunity uh, uh, to, to, to serve one another. The last one that I want to hit is it was always close to home because it, it hit on several different levels of authority. And that is. Players and coaches. Players and coaches. And we can come up with all different kinds of things in our society. I'm just bringing up a few because I know that we also have um, people in sports where they're playing or coaching. And I know a lot of times with with players, it's easy for us just to kind of like coach doesn't understand my situation. I'm way better than that coach is making me out to be. I know things I can get things done. And, you know, sometimes as a player, you just got to realize you're the player. And whether your coach is watching or not, you are going guts out. You are you are being a, a good sport. You're helping up the other team when they're up they're down on the floor. You are exemplifying Christ on that court as if Christ went and put on that uniform. Or you're going out on the field saying, if Christ was to pick up this bat, this is the way that he would operate when he strikes out. Or this is the way that he would do it when somebody else comes and gets in his face. I'm going to look like Jesus within the bounds of that court, even though my coach is on me, even though the officials, I'm going to play for Jesus. I'm going to play for the Lord. I remember when I was in college, I I was the starting point guard on our on our team. And we had this other player who came in and he was like, I deserve to start. I should be starting and went to the coach. And the coach came to me and said. Jason, this is the situation. I got this difficult. I'm going to just going to let this guy start. And I was like, okay. You're you're the coach. I know I'm better than that guy at that position, but you're the coach, whatever you need to do for this situation. So the games went on and it was evident that that guy wasn't the point guard. And the coach came back to me and he just said this. Jason, I'm I'm really grateful you you helped me out in that situation to kind of bring a resolution to that situation. I know it wasn't fair to you, but you got it done. And that was a blessing to me. See, even as a player, you have an opportunity to 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 show your coach Jesus, to to show them kindness and 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 mercy sometimes, even from the position of a player. 
And so the Lord says, hey, this is the way you're supposed to be. Your heart's supposed to be sincere, not just when people are watching, but you should play, you should serve, you should be a student and learn, you should uh, be an employee as I'm telling you to. But then it flips. And just after he gets done addressing the slaves, then he addresses the masters. In chapter four, verse one, it says this. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And I want to kind of expand that a little bit, not me, but let the scriptures, if you turn over real quickly to Ephesians Chapter six, this is a sister book to Colossians, and he's actually talking about the same exact things, and he speaks a little bit more to the masters, and so I want to bring that out. This is Ephesians chapter six, verse nine says, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there's no partiality with him. And so he actually talks to the masters and says, you shouldn't you shouldn't be ruthless. You shouldn't threaten them. You should understand that the same way that you have a master over you who's actually treating you kindly and he expects things to get done. But he goes about the business of treating you with dignity. You should do that, too. And so while many of us wouldn't be in the position Probably shouldn't be of saying I have slaves and I'm a master, but we still are in our society put into different constructs where we might have that position of authority. And the Lord through this is instructing us, this is how you should handle what you've been given. So if you go back to those different areas we talked about, maybe you're not a student, but right now you're a teacher. If you're combat Clemens. What do you do when the kids put the leg of your desk into peanut butter? You make sandwiches. You make lemonade out of lemons. I guess you make sandwiches out of uh, peanut butter. You know, for a teacher to come back and just start threatening and to abuse and this and that, I'm pretty sure the teachers would back me on that. There's no way to get kids forward in their education. But to understand that these kids have been put into your stewardship for a time to grow them up. And that just as Jesus deals with you, you should be dealing with those kids. So so that's a that's a that's a the teaching realm employees. There's also bosses. So some of you are bosses. Some of you have employees under you or you're in management and there's there's people under you. And it's how do how do you treat them? The reality is, Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest, if you want to believe her, you're the greatest servant. That's what he told his disciples, that you sacrifice the most. Anytime you're called into greater leadership, you're being called into a greater sacrifice. Because you become a living example to those people who are following you. I love the example of one business owner I knew who it was a struggle every month to stay in the black. And every month it was his commitment as the master, as the boss, as the business owner of that business to make sure that every other employee got paid before he did. And that just spoke to me. Because he could say, well, it's my business. I have every right. And yet he knew that in taking them on, he promised them, if you work for me, I'm going to pay you. This is going to be a I'm going to show you what it is to be cared for and to be led. 
And it always makes sure that the employees, and sometimes that meant he went home with little to nothing. And I just thought, what a great example of a boss. I, I would want that boss. That's the type of boss that I would want to work for because then you're like, I, I want to, I, I, w- I would give everything if that guy's going to take care of me. And so you'll see that return a lot of times as the boss. Then you go into other things like we talked about, you know, there's customer service and we have these people who literally, if you go out to dinner and you've got an hour that you're sitting there and you've bought your steak and you bought your drink and you bought your sides and you do that and you pay your money at the end, what's happened is you have paid for somebody to be your servant. You have a servant at your table for an hour. You've paid for that. But Jesus says, watch out how you pay, how you treat that servant. But opportunity comes when somebody comes to your table, says, may I take your order? And a lot of times, even though we have a human being standing at our table, we are more concerned with what sides we are going to get next to our steak with how that person's day might be going. You with that person at your table have an opportunity to maybe affect that life towards Jesus. And maybe it is that you're just talking about steaks and potatoes and green beans on the side and a dessert to follow. But the way in which you treat them might take their day and either cast them down towards the low dregs of of humanity or to lift their spirits and actually have the opportunity to return with them and say, hey, how's your day going? What's your name? Everything going okay? Tell me your story. Well, I I really love to talk to you about the Lord Jesus. Here's what he says about that. And you might have the opportunity while they're serving you, because that's okay. It's the industry. But you as the master have that opportunity in the midst of getting your meal to serve somebody towards Jesus, even though you're paying for their service. So it's a good opportunity out and about to do that, whether it's a quick fast food exchange or whether it's sitting down at a meal. And then finally, as Players and coaches, players ready to talk about as coaches. Coaches have this really interesting role. And I I know that because my dad was a coach. Where you have young men or young women who are under your direction and you blow the whistle and they better do what you're going to say they're going to do. But you are commanding, really, their every move. You're making plays. You're telling them the fundamentals. You, you are commanding. And so there comes lots of power in that. But what I loved is that years later, players were still coming back to my dad saying, you know what? When at home I didn't have a dad, in a lot of ways, you were my father figure. He had the opportunity while he was coaching to show them love, to show them what boundaries were. To show them how to do things perfectly and to work hard and to hustle and to show officials and and and, and other uh, uh, opposing teams, even though they might be ornery, to show them respect and sportsmanship. He had the opportunity to show men how to be men, how to be Christ like what it was like to be a dad. Because some of these guys didn't have dads. Coaches, you have a great opportunity with these youth that have been put into your care. Not to just try to go out and get some W's. But to show them Jesus. Show them the Father. And this says very clearly that Jesus is to be involved in these things. Slaves, masters, we take it to bosses, employees, coaches, players, whatever it is. 
But those relationships are never just one to one. There's always a third party involved. That's God. Christ already said in in Colossians chapter three. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So if you're a believer, you're no longer your own to choose how you want to be a boss. It's no longer your choice how to be a player. It's no longer your choice how to go get dinner. Your life is hidden with Christ. He owns you and you do as he tells you to. Because that's the best. It gives you the opportunity to live with the peace and freedom and goodness of Jesus towards other people. And he goes on later, we saw in verse 17 of chapter 3, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if you go and you're being a mean boss, or you go and you're being a, an evil student, and in the next moment saying, I, I'm going to church and I love Jesus, what's that saying to the people around you? That said, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I was talking recently to a teacher who does not. He's not a believer. This guy has lots of so-called Christians come into his class. Who say they go to church and say they love Jesus and do some of the most ruthless things. That teacher needs the Lord, right? And we've got Christians going on mission, hopefully into that class, not going in with evil intent. But in the name of the Lord, whether in word or deed, because they're now hidden in Christ, they, in their being a student, have an opportunity to win somebody to Christ. That is awesome. I get so excited. Because we might think, well, man, being a servant, being a slave is below me. Here's the reality. It's not below any one of us. And the reason is because in the book of Philippians. Chapter two, this is what it says about Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. That word right there is the same exact word that we've been reading in Colossians and Ephesians, that Jesus, even though he was in the form of God, did not consider that his right to stay in that place, but under the command of the Father, took on the form of a servant, of a slave. Jesus put himself on earth. And at the hands of Roman and Jewish authorities, at the cries of people who thought they were better than him, he suffered and died as a servant for you and I. The King of kings and the Lord of lords became a slave so that you and I could be brought out of death and misery and sin and be placed into righteousness and goodness and peace. And it goes on to say that he did not stay there. It says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. He took on the role of a servant to accomplish what was needed in the kingdom so that he could pull you into that kingdom and declare his praises forever as he is the king on high. That's the order of things. We have a master and he took the lowest, most humblest form to show us how it's done and also to bring us into eternity. But don't wait for eternity to start being a good servant. Start being a good student, a good player. Start now. Because by your life, you might win people to Jesus through the way you work, the way you study and listen and smile and speak. And so we've been talking recently, well, how do we do evangelism? And I know for many of you, it's not going to be preaching out on the corner or going off and handing tracts. You know how it's going to be? It's going to be being an employee. It's going to be being a student or a teacher, a player or a coach, a husband or a wife. It comes into all these common roles whereby Jesus says, live for me. Speak for me. Love for me. And so when you go out in that role, that becomes this really blessed opportunity for us to say, okay, I'm going to help win people towards Jesus by the way I order my steak. The next time somebody comes to your table and says, may I take your order? Smile at them and say, how are you doing today? And that's the beginning of your evangelism. That's your beginning of starting a conversation. And maybe the Lord will put that person on your mind. And a week later, you're going to need to go back. And then you're going to need to go back. And at some point within that conversation, they will say, hey, you know what? This person's a master, but they've shown me love. I want to know who their master is. And there comes in the conversations and the opportunities. You might be a coach and you're saying, you better run to first faster. And I love you. And you're, you're showing them boundaries and you're showing what it is to play with respect. But in the midst of that, they say, I want to follow that man. I want to follow that woman. And you get those little opportunities on a side, not because it was some orchestrated devotional, but because he puts you into a conversation with a, maybe a player and their parents. We're like, man, let me tell you how the Lord's been good to me this week. Apart from just the ball field or the court. I remember with my dad as a coach. And my brother as a player. That we would go out and we would play other teams. And we were a Christian school. And there was a non-Christian school, several of them that we'd go play. And my dad was big on you. You play for Jesus. Play hard. Play to win. But you're playing for Jesus. And there was another Christian school down the road. I won't say their name because I don't even slander them anymore, but they were awful. And the non-Christian schools hated to play them. Why? Because they played like non-Christians. Just ruthless, mouthy, arrogant. These non-Christian schools would say, but we love to play you guys. You play tough. But you respect us. And I remember that there was one player who got to know my brother. And my brother's 
started talking with him and he came and played on the church team and they went off to tournaments and later on, that young man came to Jesus. And I think it had something to do with the way a player and a coach were acting in front of him and then speaking in front of him that that man would call upon the Lord. So this isn't just rules, masters and slaves, bosses, employees. This is still about Jesus. Always Jesus. And whatever roles you find yourself in, whether in a place of authority or a place of submission, the Lord may have you in that place right now, not because he's trying to stomp you down or to put you on some type of pedestal, but to win people towards Christ. These people need saved. So let's go live for the Lord. Let's pray. Father. We thank you that in the midst of your holiness, goodness and power and all your authority as creator. That you've still loved us, even in your firmness and in your discipline and in the way in which you demand holiness. Lord, you have loved us. And you sent Jesus in the form of a man, a servant who humbled himself to death. He became a servant, a slave for the gospel in order to win us. And so, Lord, we pray that in that same spirit, we would look into our lives and the places where you've given us places to serve or places of authority. And that we would take on those roles. For Jesus, we pray that we would live for him. And we pray that in the midst of that, that it would not bring upon ourselves glory and honor. But Lord, we pray that in all things that that might be presented to you, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord, but that we would not wait until someday in the future. We pray that by our lives, that that may be a reality now. And so, Lord, help us to each examine through your spirit the places that we're at in life and how we're to be, act, speak. That we might bring honor to your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.